0: hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to professor jay's classroom this is professor jay again broadcasting live from the great state of texas and again we are going to go and look at today's news and talk about it from a rational (laughs) conspiracy rational conspiracy Uh, freudian sleep there right okay but we're going to talk about things from a, hopefully, a rational and constitutional basis of things that are going on in the news, um, stories that are, are out there that are making the news. Um, and so the very first thing that I want to look at today, we're going to go ahead and jump right in, feet first. I mean, not even in the first minute of the of the show, um, we are diving into deep and meaningful things. Um I want to take a look at a story that came out yesterday. Um, I first read it on the Epic Times, um, and the news wires picked it up. Uh, You can find it on Yahoo News, you can find it on Fox News, you can find it on all these things. And the headline reads, Democrats warned Supreme Court to heal itself, quote unquote, or face restructuring. All right. Well, let's talk about this for a second. All right. All right where do we find the supreme court in the government where do we find the supreme court in um, in our constitution well if you look at the constitution okay the constitution is divided up the three branches um, are the first to be mentioned article one is the legislative branch article two is the executive branch and article three is the judicial branch and then you have article four five and six um article four um, deals with the minutiae of governing article five talks about the amendment process okay and so when we look at the constitution all right which is the owner's manual of how this country is supposed to operate um whether whether you believe that the constitution should be radically changed whether you believe that the constitution should be the letter of the law is totally on you but still the constitution being over 230 years old um and the constitution ultimately having been left basically unchanged for over 200 years um we, we see that we have, you know, I mean, the Constitution's only been, been amended 27 times. When you take into consideration that other constitutions and other democracies and other uh, countries around the world, on average, only last about 17 years, I mean, France is on its, I think, seventh constitution, um, you begin to realize that that is really exceptional that this Constitution and that the adherence to the Constitution and that the respect for the Constitution that Americans show um, really is quite exceptional uh, in the course of human history. So that's why we wanna go to the Constitution. That's why we wanna look at the Constitution as a guide, okay? Um, And see what does the Constitution say? Now, again, we're talking about uh, the story Democrats warn Supreme Court to heal itself or face restructuring. Okay, and we can talk more about this Uh, and I think we should so that you understand the context in which um, and why this story is um, so interesting. This is the United States Senate who is responsible for confirming justices. Okay, that's a check and balance with um, with presidential and legislative power okay the 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 senate confirms um, supreme court and federal court justices and uh, so the supreme court is telling the federal court system to heal itself the supreme court to heal itself well what does that mean well it means that these senate democrats do not agree with the decision making of the supreme court okay and so they are threatening legislative action against the supreme court if the Supreme Court does not rule in the way that they want it to rule, okay? Now, I, I find that interesting coming from Democrats who claim that, you know, we need to keep the the Supreme Court impartial, that we need to keep the Supreme Court, um, you know, free from politics, that we need to keep the Supreme Court, all these things. And yet, now that the Supreme Court is Ruling against their ideology, now they're th- not only are they threatening to restructure the court, and what they mean by that is what they are doing is they're threatening to pack the court. The last person to pack the court was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He tried to pack the court, and the Supreme Court actually ruled against him. Okay, the Supreme Court actually ruled that nine is a good number. Okay, there wasn't always nine justices. All right. uh In fact, if I remember correctly, it started out with five, five justices, and then it expanded to nine, and then Roosevelt wanted to expand. What it wanted to extend it to, I think, twelve, and the Supreme Court ruled, no, 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 nine is good enough. All right, and um, and so that's where we have um, this idea that the Supreme Court has will face restructuring. Okay. In other words, we'll repack the court. Because we don't like it. Well, what's the case that is pushing this? Um, well, that's pushing this this threat. Okay, uh, and, and what we would find is that it's related to a New York City gun law um, that a, a person has sued New York, um, saying that their gun laws are too restrictive, that they violate the Second Amendment. Um, And so, in other words, these uh, senators are threatening to restructure the court. Now, understand, there's not very many senators who filed this letter. Um, In fact, there are five senators. Five senators out of 100, okay? We have 5% of the senators sending this letter. Um, Democrats are in the minority, okay, in the Senate, and yet they're still sending this threat. Okay. So let's, you know, we have Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, Richard Durbin of Illinois, and Kristen Gillenbrand of New York. Now, Christian Gillenbrand, you might know her name. She's running for president right now and not doing a very good job. Okay. She will probably uh, be bailing out of her campaign. I mean, if she's she's got a big enough ego, she'll probably hold on to Iowa. And then in Iowa, she'll get you know, pretty much trounced and so uh, there you go but he, here it is and I think this is this is pretty interesting in the fact that this is the lefts showing their cards because for a long time the left has used the courts to get their way now have they gotten some good things out of it one could argue yes. I mean, Miranda rights are pretty nice. You know, being made aware of your rights is pretty great. Um, being um, known, you know, having a, an attorney, f- forcing a state to give you an attorney if you can't afford one, that's a pretty nice right. Um, you know, there have been some things that have been done through the courts over the last uh, 60 years, 70 years, that you could say, okay, that's, that's pretty great. All right. Um, But there's also been some things that have flown in the face of the American people and of the Constitution. All right. Uh, Roe v. Wade, for one, granting a constitutional right to an abortion where one did not exist. Um, And and doing so under the the guise of um, the right to privacy, which, again, does not exist in the Constitution. Now, you can say there's an applied right to privacy. But it's privacy against the government, not privacy against individuals. Um, You also have uh, the Supreme Court ruling against school prayer, um, inaccurately uh, using separation of church and state um, as their guideline. Again, going super constitutional, not using a strict constructionalist original intent in in um, interpreting the Constitution, going outside of the Constitution with its decision-making. In fact, Ginsburg, in some of her popular or majority opinions, has used international law, um, used law from other countries uh, to justify her decision-making. So again, um, all of these things are, but now that all of these things are, you know, issues that conservatives and uh, strict constructionalists have made the case against the supreme court in the past but in in there have been times that um you know i'm sure there have been people out there saying well we need to you know impeach justices and do things like that and so what i want to do is i want to take a look does congress have the power to reconstructure the court, should they restructure the court or should they leave the court alone? Okay, and again, remember this is a response because the the last two justices who have been placed on the court have been conservatives. Now, one of the things that Gorsuch has shown is that he has his own mind. Um, He's become more of a moderate on the court. He's ruled against conservatives on certain ideas. So so again, these things, but when it comes to the, the application of the Constitution of the United States, we need to have strict constructionalists. We need to have original intent because again, that's what the country was founded on. And honestly, the, the Supreme Court could benefit more from sending laws back to um, the government of the states, sending laws back to the government of the federal government and saying, if you want this changed, do it yourself. Because again, they're not supposed to legislate from the bench. They're not a legislative branch. So let's look at Article 3 of the Constitution. Okay. Um, we have um, Section 1 of the Article 3, which establishes the Supreme Court, it says the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior and shall, at stated times, receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. Okay, so this establishes the court. And here's what's interesting. Congress may, from time to time, time, ordain and establish. All right. So, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may, from time to time, ordain and establish. Now, here's the interesting thing. Remember I talked about last time, commas, right? The judicial power of the United States, comma, there it is. So, the judicial power shall be vested in one Supreme Court, comma, So that's one clause. And in such inferior courts as Congress, so the time, from time to time, ordain and establish. That means that the inferior courts are the ones that Congress has the power over to ordain and establish. So they can control the inferior courts, but the Supreme Court is the one court. All right? There is one court. But there is a clause here that judges. On those courts all right the supreme and the inferior courts shall hold their offices during good behavior now what does good behavior mean that's the crux now we we tend to want to apply that justices cannot be impeached unless they commit a crime or high misdemeanor well that's the application to the president of the united states and to members of congress high crimes and misdemeanors okay that's that's what qualifies them to be but good behavior. So what does that mean? Well, that basically means the Congress can impeach a justice for any reason. All right, and this is where Congress finds its power over the courts. All right. If 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 enough just if enough senator, senators want to remove if enough senators and enough members of the House want to remove a justice out of the Supreme Court or any of the lower courts, they can. They can vote on it, and that person's done. Okay, so again, Congress does have power to, but do they have power to stack the court, the Supreme Court? No, they don't. They really don't. Because, again, the power that they ordain and establish is in the inferior courts. All right, but let's look at Section 2. Maybe Section 2 gives them that power. Let's see. The judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under the Constitution and laws of the United States, and treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party, to controversies between two or more states, between a state and citizens of another state, between citizens of a different state of different states, between citizens of the same state claiming lands under grant of different states, and between a state or the citizen thereof and foreign states, citizens, or subjects. So the first thing what section does, it tells us the jurisdiction of the court, okay, jurisdiction of federal court. So jurisdiction of the federal court is basically um, everything that I just read. So foreign, if, if, if there's a if there's a grievance that a foreign country has against our, our country, so like when the ambassador, (coughs) or when the attorney general of Mexico threatened to sue the United States because of the shooting at El Paso, that court, that case would have been heard in the federal court system. Okay. Um, That's where the jurisdiction is. And probably just the Supreme Court, because again, the Supreme Court holds those things. But again, it's between two states. So if Texas and Louisiana don't like each other, they sue each other about something, especially around land or the borders, it goes to the Supreme Court. Uh, citizens of another state. So if a citizen is being charged with a crime, but from another state, and they're from a different state, that court goes to them. So again, these are all the jurisdiction. Um, it goes on in the next clause, in, in all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, and those in which a state shall be party, the Supreme Court shall have original jurisdiction. In all the other cases before mentioned, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction, both as to law and fact with such exceptions and under such regulations as Congress shall make this is an interesting clause this is section 2 what does that say well okay foreign foreign court cases original jurisdiction supreme court okay so if mexico wants to sue us it goes to the supreme court All right, all other cases before mentioned, so the other things that were mentioned above, okay, cases involving citizens of a state, the application of the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. This is where Marbury v. Madison, this is where Marbury, okay, this is where Chief Justice Marshall found judicial review, okay, that they have a right to judicial review to determine whether or not a law is constitutional or an action is constitutional, all right? But I want you to understand, look at the last clause of, or subclause of Clause 2, and under such regulations as the Congress shall make. In other words, Congress determines the jurisdiction of the court and the lower courts. So if Congress doesn't want the Supreme Court to have jurisdiction over a certain case, they can establish that law. They can establish that. They can do that through legislation. In writing of the legislation, they can stipulate what jurisdiction can hear any problem of constitutionality regarding that law. So if they know that in the lower courts, there's going to be more favorability in that, then there it is. Now, where's the danger lie in this? Well, think about gun legislation. Okay. Think about gun legislation. Now understand lower courts only have jurisdiction over their district. Federal district court, which is the next level that you have to go to before you can go to, you know, the federal appellate court of that district, all right? Only has authority over that district. So, Texas is under the 5th appellate district, okay? The 5th federal district. If Louisiana passes a gun law, or if, if the Congress passes a gun law and says that all guns shall be taken away, blah, 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 blah. And the Supreme court cannot have jurisdiction over this. Well then for Texas, if we sue, the lower courts will have jurisdiction. We go to New Orleans. If the justices in New Orleans overrule Congress, then only the states within the fifth district, which is Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas. I think Oklahoma, only the states in the fifth District will have that overruled. every other state will. so you see what I'm saying. So there's a danger in not having the Supreme Court hear a case, and this is why the Congress very rarely uses this power is because there is a danger in that not having a supreme arbiter that can that can dictate precedent. And that's the stare decisis, or precedent, is really the only power that, that the Supreme Court has. And that's what we mean by um, legislating from the bench, is because once they establish precedent, that is supreme precedent that overturns all other courts. Okay, So in other words, it holds sway. It's stare decisis. All other federal courts agree to uphold the Supreme Court's rulings on specific issues. All right, and that's why, even though the Supreme Court is only ruling on a specific state's case, that precedent applies to all court cases in all district courts. So, again, um, that's what stare decisis means. So, this right here in clause, the subclause in clause two of section two of article three, and under such regulations as the Congress shall make, gives us. It it, it can be dangerous if used, all right? And so we have to be careful in in invoking that. We have to say, well, see, see, Congress can make... No, we have to be careful because remember, if it can be done for your side, it can be done for the other side. And so in protecting the Second Amendment, we want to make sure that um, we can leave it to the Supreme Court, all right? And so that's why they're threatening the Supreme Court. That's why these Democrats in the Senate are threatening the Supreme Court with restructuring and with, with you know, all, all this good stuff of, of you know, uh, packing the court with with favorable justices. Well, understand this. If you pack the court, you, you're implying that you're hoping that this, the Democrats will take back the Senate. Because, again... And that they'll hold the Senate in in forever, because what happens when the if the Republicans ever take back the House and the Senate, and those seats open up, now you have even a supermajority of conservative justices. So again, it's very myopic thinking. Well, we're going to pack the court with our justices. Well, first of all, you've got to get sixty votes in the Senate even to be able to do that. So. It's very it's 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 a very empty threat, and the court knows it. All right. If anything, when we look at when we look at this threat, after we've examined more of Article Three, one of the things you'll see is its political posturing. Okay. Um, so, trial of all crimes except in cases of impeachment shall be by jury. Okay. Here's where you get your jury trial, and such trial shall be held in the state where the said crime shall have been committed. But when not committed within any state, the trial shall be at such places or places as the Congress may by law have directed. All right, so there's jury trial. Now, again, we have trial by jury in the amendments as well. The, this, and what that amendment says is this is given to us in the Constitution twice. Trial by jury, okay? Both in the Sixth Amendment and in the Constitution. The Sixth Amendment stipulates that this right cannot be taken away. All right, so all right, and section three. all right, uh, treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them and, or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses, there's a biblical pros- um, a biblical application there to the same overt act or on confession in open court. The reason why they require this is because this is death penalty. Because here, here it is. Congress shall have power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainder of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. So in other words, a bill of attainder um, is, is a bill that takes away property, takes away, um, puts a person in prison without due process. So, in, in other words, you cannot have a bill of attainder. No attainder of treason shall work corruption of blood. In other words, shall not you can't take someone for treason. So, this is actually um, clear. <laughs> this shows that the National Defense Authorization Act, which allows United States, States citizens to be held indefinitely without due process for suspicion of terrorism, that's an attainder of treason. All right. So, there we are. That is Article 3 of the Constitution. Pretty clear. Congress can set the di- jurisdiction, but Congress really can't manipulate the Supreme Court. Okay? They can set ju- set jurisdiction, but they can't pack the court. Again, the uh, Supreme Court has ruled on that. There's precedent. Um, they ruled against FDR for trying to pack the court. All right? Uh, said nine justices is surely enough. Okay? So, again... What the Democrats are threatening is just posturing. All right, it's an assumption that they're going to take back the Senate. It's an assumption that they're going to have absolute rule after the next presidency, and it's it's really just nothing more than a bunch of blowhards trying to postulate what they're going to do. It's virtue signaling. Um, It's threatening the court. In fact, these senators should be censured for um clear violation of office okay um for threatening the the independence of the judiciary um this this should be i mean especially uh jildebrand since this is a court case for her state she is not her state solicitor all right and uh she she they should be reprimanded for this all right but again hopefully looking at this story um looking at what the Senate did, looking at what the Constitution says. Again, guys, that's where we got to go. That's where we got to move to. All right. When we, I mean, again, you can look at the Constitution. You can look at the plain word of the Constitution. You don't have to get emotional. You don't have to get all riled up and angry. Because, I mean, trust me, the story makes people angry. That makes me angry. How dare them? I mean, even me saying that they should be censured. I mean, that's an emotional response, but it's true. They should be because they're they're, they're they're trying to influence the court before the court makes a decision. President Obama did the very same thing when he chastised the court during a State of the Union address for the decision on Citizens United, and then at the same time threatened them on um, the Obamacare decision. And all of a sudden, Justice John Roberts, Chief Justice John Roberts... Switched at the 11th hour. And that's what I'm talking about. These threats can have influence on a decision. And we can't tolerate such travesties of justice. Because again, understand the way politics works. If one side does it, the other side will do it. Alright? Well, you got away with it. You got away with it when you did it. You did it. Why can't I do it? You see what I'm saying? And that's what creates bad statesmanship. That's what creates bad blood in politics. And so again, take it for what it is. It's nothing more than virtual signaling. It's the same reason why Jerry Nadler's incessant um, and the Democrats' incessant desire to impeach President Trump, even though Trump has done nothing illegal. Trump has done nothing objectionable. He has committed no high crime or misdemeanor. All right, he didn't perjure himself. He didn't commit obstruction because obstruction can't exist if there's no crime. All right. Also, the actions that he took don't constitute obstruction. You have to create extra law, which the DOJ seems willing to do over the last 8 years to create elements of laws that don't exist like the intent element for violating national defense and national security. For Clinton, she had to have the intent to do that when that's never been the standard. And we've had many people arrested and put in jail for violation of that act that didn't intend to. Okay, so intent was added there by Comey and the Justice Department for for Clinton. And yet we don't have... But yet obstruction has to have intent and there's no intent. So again... All of these things that are coming out, it seems to me that Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing, that conservative derangement syndrome is a real thing, that these people are drunk with power, that these people are drunk. Many of them have never read the Constitution, and yet they claim that they are upholding the Constitution. I will tell you that, and I'm a on this, I will tell you, that every congressman takes an oath to defend the constitution to uphold the constitution and defend the constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic every congressman every senator every president every supreme court justice they claim this okay one how can you defend something you've never read you've never studied and two How can you defend something that you are actively trying to subvert and you are actively trying to destroy and you have publicly spoken out against? That's a good question for you to ask yourself the next time you hear someone talking about the Constitution and someone belittling the Constitution, especially if they're running for president, if they're running for the Senate. That should be the first question. Have you ever read the Constitution? What does the Constitution say? If if I were to run for office, one of the things that I would do in every single piece of legislation that I author or co-author, I would either add an amendment or I would have a clause in it showing where in the Constitution that I have the authority to pass such legislation. So something to think about. The Constitution, the owner's manual, Tells us how this place is supposed to function, and and yet nobody ever reads it. I highly encourage you to. It doesn't take very long. We just went through the entire third clause in less than 30 minutes with commentary. Think about that. Have a nice day.